2: A ceiling watcher, mm, maybe a dancer, oh, perhaps a late night scroller. Which one are you once the lights go out? Let's find out after Wilson Phillips on 11 to 1. Yeah. Wilson Phillips, hold on on LMFM's 11 to 1, Sinead Brazzle here with you. Hope you're keeping well this lovely sunny Wednesday morning, yeah. You can get in touch by the way 86 800 658 Now every night you settle down into the bed pull the duvet up cosy and warm and snug OK so you're not needing the loo either you're nice and warm everything's set but sleep eludes you why? Why? Only 1 in 10 of us are sleeping through the night Yeah a sleep study discovers 12% of us are sleeping through the night. And what is going on with that? Because we know that we need kind of seven to eight hours, but we're not getting it. So I'm wondering this morning, which sleep personality are you? So, number one, now I'd like to think these people don't exist, but uh, they do apparently. Number one, out like a light. Head hits the pillow, away off to sleep, no bother to them. 13%. Oh. What is your secret, 13%ers? Number two, the ceiling watcher goes to bed, but struggles to relax and fall asleep. So staring at the ceiling. Close cousin of the ceiling watcher. Number three, the clock watcher waking up every few minutes to check the time. Nine percent. Number four, we're all guilty of this one. The late night scroller. We know it. Just don't lift your phone up off the nightstand, but yet you have it in your hand. Oh, look, Instagram. That's five hours of my life I'm never going to get back. Yeah, this is what happens. We scroll through the night on social media. Number five, the dancer. The one who tosses and turns. Give me that tuba. Wriggles around in the night without meaning to. I I don't know. That's a little by note in there without meaning to. I think they know exactly what they're at. 11%. This number six, me firsts. The person who likes to be first in bed before your partner. That's 8%. Well, look, I can understand that if there's a snorer. Do you know what I mean? That's going to be getting into the bed after you. Fair enough. Also, shout out to the me firsts because they're kind of warming up the bed, aren't they? Yeah, fair play to them. Number seven, the snacker. I have a snacker in my life. Likes to snack all the way up to bedtime. He's seven years of age and will develop hunger. As soon as it's bedtime, it's a miraculous. It happens every night. Won't eat a dinner, but starving. Oh yeah, starving. Come b- bedtime. If you get hungry in bed, you pop to the kitchen for more. That's a five percent of us. Now I'm looking here. Where where is mind racing lunatic? No, that's not on here. That's the one that I am. Where you're? Maybe I'm in in tune with the ceiling watcher as well. I don't know. But you go to bed and you're just like, ah. Should I put those bins out? What about the kids' lunches? Is there bread for the morning? What about that thing I have to... Mind racing lunatic. That's not on there. It should be there. There should be eight. There should be eight sleep personalities. (laughs) Which one are you? Are you the 13%? You go out like a light. If so, what is your secret? Could you share it with the class, please? Uh, Are you a ceiling watcher like me? Are you a clock watcher as well? Are you a late-night scroller? Come on, we've all done that. What about the one that tosses and turns around the place? Do you like to be in bed first? Are you the me firsts? Or are you the snacker? Let me know, just for curiosity. 86 658 What sleep personality are you? Now apparently it's sleep-temper. And uh, we should be, you know, trying to kind of be mindful of what our bedtime habits are and everything else. We know we're not supposed to be on the phone. You know what I mean? We know we're supposed to be winding down. We know all this stuff. But yet we still do it. But I want to know that this morning, what sleep personality are you? 86 658 Maybe your sleep personality is not on the list like me, the mind racing lunatic. If so, also let me know on 086-1800-658. Ah, look at this. This is a special one now. A special song for the dancers, the toss and turners in the nighttime. Here's Dua Lipa, Dance the Night. <laughs> Dua Lipa Dance the Night from the Barbie movie absolutely loving that 86 800 they're flying in all of the crazy I mean sleep personalities <laughs> no you're not crazy everyone has a sleep personality I'm the one that's the mind racing lunatic do keep them coming in I'm going to get to some of those plus we're keeping with the dancing theme we've got Dancing in the Moonlight by Ten Lizzy on the way
1: oh, L-M-F-M. The 11 to 1 show
2: We are talking about sleep. Apparently it's sleep timber and a study into our sleeping habits has been revealed and there's seven different sleep personalities but apparently only one in ten of us are sleeping through the night. There's a 12% basically of the people studied and Keen on 086 1800 658 seems to be one of them. He says I'm out like a light. Always have been. Love me sleep. Simple as that. Well, yeah, I, I don't know. I used to be like that, obviously, uh, when I was younger. So maybe Kean is young and has no problems. <laughs> uh, another one here, Defo a ceiling watcher, says Lisa. Mm, yeah, 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 the ceiling watcher. It's not a great one. Um, also uh, coming in from Celine, me first. I love my bed, even watch the t- TV in it. Yeah, a lot of people like doing that particularly now in the winter see when the nights are darker and stuff and the, I've gotten the little fella down to bed I, I would be kind of a straight into the bed sort of person then around kind of eightish, like, and kind of have a nice little lounge read a book maybe or something like that Um, this is great from Jacintha you forgot the toilet tripper I'm up the whole time oh yeah 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 there is those as well a lot of people who have to wake up for the call of nature. Yeah, and like even when sometimes when I d- try not to like have caffeine and drinks and stuff like too close to bedtime, it's still it's still a bit of a problem sometimes. Yep, yeah. I am aging my partner here. Kelly is the total late night scroller. I need to buy an eye mask so I don't see the glow of her bloody phone, says Paul. Oh, yeah, yeah. Paul's one of those. Yeah, it's long suffering uh of, of the glow beside him. The snacker, simple as... Uh says, Barbara, so Barbara, what's going on? So you snacking in the bed or like getting back down the stairs to the kitchen? I know somebody that uh snacks in the bed, which is great crack for everybody else. Uh, John says, bottle of wine is the 13%. OK, John. OK, as for me, you can't sleep when I go to bed. But if I sit in the armchair and fast sleep in a few minutes. Ah, no, John. You see, this is a gift that maybe men have. Dads can do this. Dads can Go like that in the chair. They can nod off. They can nod off when you're trying to talk to them about something as well. It's a really, it's a rare gift. It really is. What is it about the armchair maybe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it that... um. I don't know like bed when you go to bed there's like the pressure to fall asleep whereas in the armchair it's kind of a bit more relaxed I don't know but uh, yeah that's a good one yeah forgot about that uh, Hi my girlfriend won't let me mention her name for fear of reprisals but uh, she is first to bed then proceeds to snore Honestly think a train is going by the bedroom window still over for to bits says Connell in Fort William oh japers! yeah look this is what happens sometimes the people who are first to bed are the actual snorers Other times, the first to beds are the ones that are trying to avoid the snore. They're like, if I get to sleep now, I won't have to deal with the snore. Yeah, keep those coming in. 086-1800-658. What sleep personality are you? There's Thin Lizzy dancing in the moonlight on LMFM's 11 to 1. Spare a thought uh, here now for this person. Caroline on 086-1800-658. I'm a great sleeper. Hit the pillow and I'm gone. Poor old Caroline also needs a cat nap in the afternoon to revive her. I mean, now she's just rubbing in how much she goes to sleep. I mean, come on now, Caroline. That is, you must have no stress or worry in your life. Uh, The snacker has been back. Uh, She says, no, not in the bed all evening slash night until I go to bed. And it doesn't affect my sleep, more's the pity. Okay, so you're just a bit of a snacker, um, but it doesn't actually affect your sleep. Okay, very good. Thank you for that. Keep them coming in. Here's Bruno Mars on LMFM's 11 to 1. When I was most houses in Ireland have one, believe you me. They might look like your son or daughter, but no, they're permanently hunched over. More concerned with the glowing device in their hands. It is the screen-ager. How on earth do we parent them? Luckily, help is at hand because we're going to be chatting to family psychologist. He's also clinical director of the Therapy Institute. He's written a book about this and he's coming to the local area next week as well to give parents lots of advice on parenting the screen-ager. We're going to chat to Richard Hogan next.
1: The 11 to 1 show
2: Yes, most houses in Ireland have one. They look like your son or daughter, but they seem to be in a permanent hunched over posture, more concerned with the glowing device in their hands than engaging in any sort of conversation with you. Apart from the odd grunt, we have a screen But how on earth do you parent a screen Well, luckily my first guest is quite used to working with screen agers and teenagers. He's written a very practical guide for us parents when it comes to parenting our screen obsessed kids. I'm delighted to welcome Richard Hogan. He's Cl- clinical director of the Therapy Institute and he's also an experienced family psychologist. He's on the line with me now. How are you getting on, Richard? Good to talk to you. Great to have you on the show. Now, from the description I've painted there, I think that would be fairly accurate, the, the screen-ager. I think, I think you nailed
3: a very good description of teenagers, a very accurate one from many parents listening to this today, that you know, it, it can feel like you've lost this once beautiful child, this once chatty child, now no longer looks up to you and no longer sees you as a classist. In fact, my own daughter started secondary school there uh, this week and you can speak you can feel that movement away, mm. something I've always talked about. Uh, it's, uh, the way I say to parents, it's like being together differently for this little p- this little phase where they rely more on their peer group and their devices will become far more uh, central in their lives. And, and the thing here is that we parent it. We don't get pushed out side it because when we have a fear about something and we feel like we don't understand it, we generally avoid. and We mm. bury our heads in the sand about it and we can't allow that to happen in our parenting. We can't allow our parenting agency to be given away to these devices We have to get good policy in the family so that, you know, good boundaries, I always say make good teenagers, good boundaries, good early boundaries around technology allows uh, less conflict to exist in the family.
2: Okay, well, lots of things that you've mentioned there that I want to pick up on, but just that last point because I banned right the phone with my eldest until she made her confirmation, so she was about twelve yeah. and it was halfway through sixth yeah. class. Now, myself, yeah. yeah, lots of the peers though had the phone way in advance. No, they did, yeah. yeah, yeah, but I still have a seventeen-year-old screenager. So what, <laughs> what? What did I do wrong, Richard?
3: <laughs> well, it would be unnatural for you not to have a seventeen-screenager. If, she, if your child was on nothing at all, I'd be kind of more concerned about her. Okay. Um, this is how they socialize now. This is how they connect with each other. This is how they communicate with each other. It's, and it's a rabbit to be different than when we were children. Um, particularly when I was a child in the 80s, it was com- it's a mm. completely different childhood. And it's a completely different time to parent your children to. And what I'd say to parents is, you know, being okay, just being okay, is okay at times. And, you know, we, there's an awful lot of perfect parenting things out there. And that you have to be this. The clinical psychologist as a parent is like, it's rubbish. At times, you're just doing your best. But if you've got good, you know, then that's the reality. And if you've got good policies there and you've got good boundaries, you'll make it for far less conflict. And the reality is they're going to be on their devices. But you just you determine as a parent how long that is going to be.
2: Yes, because this uh, now that school is back in our house, mm-hmm. slight battle is kind of you know, and I, maybe I was a bit silly to lax it over the to kind of relax it over the summer to allow the screen to be a bit more dominant. Now mm-hmm. I will say that three weeks out of the summer we had no screen at all because she was away to the Gale Galtock and they're not allowed to phone, Brilliant. which was absolutely fantastic. And I kind of was trying to kind of don't go back now fully into the phone <laughs> again, but of course it does happen and she's catching up with everybody again. But now that school is back, you know that I'm trying slowly but surely, to get that routine back. So the phone, I know that parts of the phone is kind of needed for homework. They do have, you know, a lot of online work as well. But I tried to kind of take the phone away. Sort of dinner time, it's definitely a no phone rule for all of us, myself included, Richard, because look, at yeah, you know, that's really you, you important. Could, you could have an adult that's addicted to a screen as well in our house, you know. Um, uh, and,
3: and you probably th- do have an adult. That's the reality. Yes. So uh, is this the problem,
2: too? Is it mimicking yeah. like we have to mimic the behaviour that we want to see?
3: we have to model the behaviour we yeah. want our children to exhibit and t- t- teenagers in particular have a heightened sense of injustice and so if you're there on your phone all the time saying oh it's just my emails at work they know that you're scrolling to t- your, your Instagram account or mm-hmm. whatever and so you have to bring in a policy for the whole family. That's the only way you get by. And if it's like punishment for your choice and you're gaming too much or you're on this too much, it's like the best way is to have a family policy. No devices in the bedroom, no devices uh, going to sleep, no devices at the TV dinner, uh, you know, sorry, at, at TV. Mm-hmm. And no, you know, so you have nice, nice clear rules there. And everybody understands that that takes out all the stress of you going in and kind of going, you're on your device again and then a fight breaks out.
2: Yeah. Yeah, totally. And the one that's an interesting one, because a lot of teenagers, my own included, will use the phone as an alarm. So maybe getting the actual different alarm is going to be better in this scenario.
3: You're not, it, it, research would show, would show that when you wake up to an alarm like that, it's a striking kind of thing to wake up with. Mm-hmm. It's not good to be consuming your, your phone because when they, when, they, when they turn over to turn that alarm off, they will consume their TikTok or their whatever yeah. um, things they're on and they go to their notifications. That's not, that replen- That does not replenish energy. That depletes energy. So you're setting your child up to be anxious. To be kind of in flux before they even start the day.
2: Really good point, actually, because we are hearing so many studies that say, you know, being online, social media, it's contributing massively to mental health problems in all oh, of us, but partic- yeah. particularly young people. So, are you seeing this in teens that, that come to you for help, sort of in a general way, uh, Richard? Not to kind of, you know, um, go into too much oh, detail, yes. but is there, is there like, is it the social media? Is it what's happening online? Is that one of the cruxes Absolutely. to this? Mm.
3: Absolutely. And teenage girls have never had I don't think had it harder because of exclusion and and also because they're constantly comparing themselves to this idea of perfect true filters and so they're setting themselves up for this really negative comparative thing and they're setting themselves up then to be excluded and then to see that exclusion so when I was a kid if my friends went down playing football I wouldn't see it but now with social media you see the girls on Starbucks sharing a coffee you're literally physically in pain when that happens and loads of your Parents listen to this will know that their daughter or son have been excluded. And it's very subtle. It's through their games. It could be through their Snapchat group or whatever it is. And it is incredibly painful. And so we have to be very careful that we, we, we parent this thing correctly and that we don't allow them to be consumed by it. Because if, also, if the, if the phones are in the bedroom at night, they can be cyber bullied in there and they can be targeted by people. So you need to have respite from technology. I'm not saying get rid of technology. Mm. I'm saying you got to parent technology,
2: work around it. And yeah, I know that feeling that you're talking about of my daughter being excluded just uh, yeah. from a, cha- a WhatsApp chat, and exactly. it is—it's so devastating. And as a parent, you can feel quite helpless a little bit with this. Now, you know, we were talking about kind of uh, teenagers grunting at us, and you know, a lot of the time we'll just—they'll just go. Um, if we ask them about their day, they'll just go grand or okay. And yeah. how do we know if there's more there that needs to be yeah, maybe? Explored? No, Lord That's and is there a way to trick them Richard to open up to us is really what I want to know <laughs>
3: Well there is and I'm actually coming down to the Eureka school you there are, on Monday yes. I am and, and I'm going to outline all of these strategies for parents they want to come along you know and uh, and uh, take part in the conversation because I do outline nice strategies there and yes there is clear identifi- identifiers uh, rupture in a peer group, no longer hanging around with the same group, mm-hmm. not wanting to go out uh, up in their bedroom a lot more uh, you know that is those were real clear signs and you know, not eating as much as they were, and even hygiene might be a thing. And oh, so, you that's when, yeah, interesting, and the
2: hygiene one, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
3: no, absolutely. It's a great sign of, like, a disruption in psychology. And then not wanting to go to school and, mm. you know, and not explain why all of a sudden uh, she's on her own or she's isolated, she's not going out, she's not eating, she's not, you know, meeting her friends. That's a good indication that there's something wrong here and that, you know, you, you need to have a really good conversation. And communication with your kid is really important, and listening and not reacting when they tell you they're yes. being cyberbullied, that you're, you're calm. So that they see that you're a safe person, because if you if you're hysterical or you're upset or whatever, you're being victimized by the bully too, and your child then sees that you're not safe, and so they won't they won't confide in you. And there was a there was a report there by Cyber Safe Kids yesterday that came out. Yes, showed that's that eight, right. Eighty five percent of parents don't know what's going on with the child online, and about thirty five percent of children don't tell their parents when they experience say hardcore sexual material or an incident of cyberbullying. Now we need to change those stats very quickly because that is like, you know, really difficult that's a really negative experience for both fam for parents and for children
2: oh yeah it was scary it really was seeing that and like you say I think that's really important if we are gearing ourselves up to talk to our child about something that we know might be revealed to us that's difficult maybe just take a little bit of time to calm ourselves like you say and to not yeah. have that reaction but it, I know it's so. the mother line in me comes out Richard do you know what I'm saying I it's hear you like
3: <laughs> I hear you but you have to always think about you know whose needs do I meet when I solve the problem for my yes. child or when I get irate you know am I empowering my child or am I disempowering my child and, you know, which, which of these is a the better solution? My child figures this out and solves it for themselves or I solve it for them and, and further deplete their reservoir skills there. And, you know, that's really important. And, of course, our own childhood is never far from our lived experience. Yes. And so when, if we had a negative experience and your child turns up with a negative experience, we can become, we can relive all of that earlier historical hurt. And just, we just sort to be more aware of that stuff. That Of course that's present, but that we just, we hold it, you know, and that we're in a supportive position.
2: Yeah, oh, completely. And uh, as we mentioned there, you are coming to Eureka School. That's next Monday yeah. night at, at 7.30pm. But you do that's have right. this brilliant book for people who might not be able to ma- uh, make the talk. How can people get the book? <laughs>
3: Yeah, um, I think you can, if you go on to um, Orphan Press, the publishers, you can get it directly from them. Yep. It's called Parenting the Screenager. Yeah, um, I also have a, a more recent book mm-hmm. um, called Home Is Where the Start Is, oh, published by Penguin. Yeah, Home Is Where the and it, it outlines all these strategies, and it helps us all. It's not just a parenting book; it's about how to thrive in your life, how to overcome early mm-hmm. family disruptions, and it's giving you really nice tips there about um, you know how to thrive in your life.
2: Oh, I love that. I love that. And if there was one thing that us parents could take on board in terms of trying to understand yeah. what our teenagers are going through, what would you like us to take on board, Richard?
3: I would like to really understand that this is a, an incredibly different time to grow up. And technology is a part of your child's life now. And that's how they communicate. And that's how they interact with each other. It's through these devices. But as parents, here's the thing. You never give away your agency and your parental authority. You have to have boundaries in place to protect your child. You would never let your child go into a house. Well, I hope you wouldn't, That you didn't know who's in there. Mm. And they said, oh, the person's in there is called Blink 182. Oh, yeah, go on in there. You know, and you would never do that. Yeah. And so when, when you hand your child a smartphone, you're bringing the world into their hand. And so what I'm saying very clearly is you have to have boundaries. And when you give the phone over, you tell them we will be checking this phone from time to time. We would mm-hmm. like to respect your privacy, but we will be checking it from time to time. Says the research shows that a child who feels that their phone has been checked is less likely to get involved in risky behavior. And that's really important. And you have to be involved in your child's life. And so it's just about boundering it. Don't allow yourself to be pushed outside it. Learn and upskill yourself and, you know, get some data around this. Come to the talk hopefully on Monday. and I'll give you all the the skills that you need there for this. And there is a solution. It's not this monster we think. It's not, you know, it's not that we can't deal with it. We can. But, and as parents we need to empower ourselves to take our agency back and be the ones in power.
2: Totally. We really do. Fantastic advice there. Plus you've shown us that you're a punk fan clearly with Blink-182 there. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I don't know where that came from
2: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely brilliant Richard it's been fantastic chatting to you loads of great advice there Thanks Thank you so much for joining us today
3: Not at all Thanks Thank you. a
2: million Richard is going to be in Eureka School okay Eureka School in Kells Monday the 11th of September 7.30pm lots of really really brilliant practical advice we've kind of done a whistle stop tour through it here because we don't have as much time but he'll be going into this in more detail and as he mentioned there Parenting the Screenager that's the name of his book And his more recent one, Home, is where the start is.
1: The 11 to 1 show.
2: How would you like to experience the feeling of a holiday all in one day? Well, our competition details in association with Fulture Ireland on the way right after the Northeast Update. LMFN Northeast Update with Senator Windows. Senator Windows products will help you create a secure, comfortable, energy efficient home you're proud of. Call 0818-7745. On this day in 1916, the first true supermarket, the Piggly Wiggly, is opened in Memphis and it had various familiar Supermarket concepts such as the checkout stands, individual item price marking, and shopping carts. And today is Read a Book Day. Yes, it's encouraging us to embrace reading. So it's all about finding the right book for you. So, Read a Book Day today. LMFM Northeast Update with Senator Windows. Creating the perfect home is a journey. Let us guide you. Visit our Drogheda, Dundalk, and New Navin showrooms. Discover more at senatorwindows.ie. Competition time now, and I've teamed up with Falter Ireland. We want to help you experience the best vacation ever. And I took a fantastic trip to Cavan over the weekend. Brought the family to Cavan Adventure Centre. Spent a glorious afternoon kayaking on Loch Octor, and I had headed off then to Cavan Burn Park. You can find uh, the video of this on uh, our LMFM social media and we want you to experience the feeling of a little holiday all in one day with thanks to Faultier Ireland we have 150 euro one for all voucher up for grabs so you can experience your own vacation, and you can treat the friend or family members or your partner to a vacation as well and there's so many exciting and adventurous vacation ideas on discoverireland.ie so if you'd like to win I want to hear about your vacations, and some of them trickling in already on 086 Maybe you took the kids off for the day to the beach. Maybe you checked out a tourist site that you hadn't visited in a while. Maybe you discovered a hidden gem here in our local area. Uh, I want to hear about it on 086 1800 658. So, where did you go? What did you do? Who did you bring? Why was it brilliant? 086 1800 658. Mm. There's Niles Barkley, crazy on LMFM's 11 to 1, still to come. Do you want better in all aspects of your life but you don't know where to start? Well, we're going to be meeting the Malloy twins, their personal trainers from Dublin and they have a book, Five Effective Rules for Us to Be Better Than Before. We're going to be meeting them after 12.
1: The 11 to 1 show.
2: Oh, we'll be very, very hot in the bed, that is for sure, with these high temperatures approaching. I wonder, do we need to add another sleep personality to our list? Getting back to some of your messages very, very shortly on the sleep personalities. Uh, but first, here's Harry.
1: Like
2: there is a summer song for you, Harry Styles, Watermelon Sugar on LMFM's 11 to 1. Sinead Brazel here with you. If you missed it earlier on, we're talking about sleep personalities. Yeah, there's the Outlick of Lighters, the Ceiling Watchers, the Clock Watchers, the Late Night Scrollers, the Dancer, the Me Firsts and the Snacker. Which one are you? Because apparently one in 10 of us are not sleeping through the night or, or one in 10 of us, sorry, are sleeping through just one in 10. 12% of us getting a good night's sleep. The rest was not a hope. And now with the heat, I oh, forget about it. We're going to be tossing and turning all over the place. My husband is one of those people who just has who goes out basically as soon as he hits the pillow and he's asleep. Uh, whereas I'm, on the other hand, will struggle most of the time to get asleep and majority of the time won't stay asleep. Can you help and give me some advice? Oh, look, this is the thing. I'm thinking maybe we probably need like a sleep therapist or something to come on the show to help you in it. You know what I mean? Because uh, I'm like you. I'm a bit of like a mind racing. What's going on? I can't kind of switch off. I, I will tell you one tip, actually. That I found really, really um, helpful. I've got this app on my phone. It's called Insight Timer. It's a free app. And there's loads of sleep meditations on it. They're really good. There's one in particular that I use all the time. And um, the woman in it, like, so she kind of does this kind of, you have to tense certain parts of your body, like certain muscles and then release them. And then at the end of it, she does this countdown from 500. So you kind of count down in your mind from 500. I rarely get to like f- into the 400s I'm gone absolutely gone and I stay asleep so maybe like a sleep meditation thing could be good for you um, also on uh, 0861800658 there's mornings I get up feeling like I never slept yeah 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 my brain just doesn't switch off it's like I'm having weird dreams or having a conversation with myself look at I think that we're in the same boat here with this sometimes you know you have weird dreams or you don't you kind of your mind's been active that much that you feel like you just haven't switched off at all Yeah, I totally get that as well. I totally get that. Okay, I'm thinking we need a sleep therapist on the show. We have another snacker as well. Loads of late night scrollers. Loads of late night scrollers. I'm kind of not too surprised about that. We're all guilty of it Maybe we should be taking Richard uh, From earlier on for His advice of just no phone In the bedroom at all And using an alarm instead Not just for the teenagers I think for us as well Absolutely Uh, Yeah, I'm thinking we need some help With regards to that Watch this space We will have a sleep therapist On the show First it's time to check in now though With the celebrity news The Buzz on LMFM Keep up to date with all the latest news and gossip On the LMFM app
1: Hi, I'm Max a baby was named after Charlie XCX on EastEnders 13-year-old Lily Slater just gave birth on the show Here's the moment the baby was named Her name's Charlie Oh, after Uncle Charlie
0: Oh, no, after Charlie XCX Oh, Wait,
1: Charlie after my dad Oh, no, sorry No, Charlie without the E As in Charlie XYZ D XCX, isn't it? Sorry? Oh, what, what, what did I say? XYZ Am I supposed to be following Sammy here? Oh, I'm certainly not. It's making my head spin. Do you need a nurse? ITV's This Morning has had its winning streak ended. It's won Best daytime at the National Television Awards for 13 years. That streak got broken last night when BBC's The Repair Shop won instead. Miley Cyrus posted a video to her TikTok where she praises her friend Ariana Grande. The two previously collaborated on Boy Don't Call Me Angel. Here's what Miley had to say about Ariana.
4: This is as serious as it
3: can be meet an Ariana Grande in onesies performing in the backyard. I was flirting with her and she was a little, she was a little scared. We were having fun. Ariana's a real friend. There's never been a time where I've asked her to do something that was important to me that she didn't come through and same thing for
1: me with her. That's the buzz. I'm Max.
2: The Buzz on LMFM keep up to date with all the latest news and gossip on the LMFM app and The Buzz will be back a little bit later on with Eddie Caffrey back to the music now here's Picture House with Sunburst yeah. Oh it's the perfect song for this weather we've been looking forward to a sunburst for the past couple of months at this stage now we have it. Picture house with sun and 11 to 1. Now we all have dreams, goals, you know, things that we would like to achieve in our lives, whether that's a health goal, whether it's a money goal, whether it's a career goal or just an overall happiness goal. But how do we begin how do we start how do we put things in place to actually achieve these things well help is at hand because we're going to be chatting to twins Adam and Lee Malloy they are qualified personal trainers but they've written this brilliant book it's called Better Than Before Five Rules for Personal Greatness and the great thing about this is they are simple effective rules they kind of cut out sort of the preachy jargon that you often find in self-help books and it's just really things that you can kickstart in your own life so we're going to be chatting to the lads next
1: The 11 to 1 show.
2: We could all do with some help when it comes to achieving our goals or dreams. But there are so many different self-help books, courses and coaches out there, we don't often know where to start. Well, I've come across a book that cuts through a lot of that self-help jargon to bring you five, yes, five really simple but effective rules to follow that will change your life. The book is called Better Than Before, Five Rules for Personal Greatness, and it was written by my next guest. They're twin brothers. They're both qualified personal trainers from Dublin. Adam and Lee Malloy are on. On The Line. How are you getting on, guys? Hey, Thanks for having us. Great to have you. Now, congratulations on this book. I'm a huge reader of self-help books, but this one I found really, really effective. How does it feel, though, to have it out there in the world?
4: Uh, First of all, thank you very much for taking the time to have us on. We do genuinely appreciate it. Um, To have it out in the world, I have to say, it's a bit bit surreal like it all started as as we said a couple of times before on different shows we went on started off as a conversation after a few drinks in puerto rico <laughs> about eight weeks ago and now to have a physical book that's out there in the world selling and hopefully influencing people to make better decisions and be better versions of themselves it's uh yeah it's great
2: Eight weeks and the book is uh, you guys don't mess around. Absolutely. And, yeah. and and it's clear to see because these rules obviously work. But before we get stuck into the book, tell us a little bit about yourselves. Uh, first of all, twins, both personal trainers. How did you get into this line of work?
0: Yeah, I'll kick off. I'm Adam, by the way, just so people can tell the difference because yeah. it's hard enough when you can see us. Never mind when it's just yeah. the voices. But so our journeys kind of went down different paths, to be honest, in terms of getting into the fitness space. Mine started back when I was about 12 or 13 years old. We were very sporty growing up, always playing football or soccer for the coaches. And mm-hmm. then we initially got started in sports through that. Sort of realm. And as we were going through that, I always wanted to, I was getting knocked off the ball, you know, wasn't as fit or as strong as I could have been. So I got Mm -hmm. interested in training from that perspective. And that's what got me started. Then when I was about 14, 15 years old, I went through a period of depression. And during that was when I really leaned into the gym. And that became an outlet for me that hasn't left me since, and it really helped me get through that tough time in life. And ever since then, it's just been a piece of me that I haven't been able to shake off really. So I went through um, my personal trainer qualification then during my final year of university and qualified in 2019. Started working in the industry then, self-employed as an entrepreneur, And then COVID hit, obviously that threw a bit of a spanner in the works. Just a bit, yeah. (laughs) Just a little bit and continued working with some fitness clients in that space. I've slowly transitioned away from purely fitness now over the last couple of years, moved more into coaching and then consultancy. But that's a little bit of background on me and how I got started. I'll let Lee give his version of
2: events. Yeah, because Lee, you were very different scenario. You, unlike Adam, weren't always kind of into exercise. And like many of us kind of, you had this yo-yo dieting gym experience, Mm. isn't that right?
4: Yeah, see, I like to take the scenic route on things. So I never really <laughs> go straight there. I like to take a few roundabouts and detours. But um, no, yeah, yeah, bang on. Um, As Adam was saying there, his fitness journey started very young and has been very consistent over the years. Mine was more of a, I, I tried and failed at everything else until I eventually stumbled upon this thing that I ultimately found fulfilling and rewarding. Um, but yeah, with the yo-yo diet and the weight fluctuations throughout the years, like it was sort of, we played football up until, the end of secondary school Mm -hmm. and then once we accepted that we weren't going to be the Irish Ronaldo and Messi I kind (laughs) of lost interest I was Mm -hmm. like, okay let me figure out something else to do and then I went to college didn't really like that done started an apprenticeship didn't really enjoy that worked different jobs didn't really enjoy any of them and then just found myself in a position where I was the heaviest I'd ever been the most lost and confused about life I'd ever been and the only like glimmer of hope I saw was trying to lose some weight and hopefully I'd figure it out from there.
2: Yeah, because uh, unlike Adam, as we say, Adam was in the gym all the time and it's so easy when you're in that sort of vibe of, you know, not loving what you do for a living, I think really has a knock on effect on absolutely everything else in your life. But so what was kind of, was there a light bulb moment? Did you have a moment that you could pinpoint where you went, oh, this needs to change now?
4: Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily say it was a light bulb moment. Mm. It was more just like it was a moment sitting there realising everything in my life was nowhere near as good as I wanted it to be. So, like, I was in a a long-term relationship that ended. Mm. I was working a job I didn't like. I had tried several other jobs I didn't like. Finished a college course that I didn't enjoy. And funny enough, I was actually, I was making more money than I ever had before. And I always thought money would be the thing that would, like, make life feel meaningful and important and all that sort of stuff. And then I was in that job and everything about the job I hated aside from the paycheck. And then I was like, okay, I may have got this thing wrong. Yeah. (laughs) And then I kind of had to... Reevaluate some decisions and figure out what my next step
1: was.
2: And I think that that's so important that you can, as you say, you're getting this paycheck, and so many people just settle in scenarios where they're not happy. And you know, as you say, you're getting the paycheck. That's very hard to give up, and you know, completely pivot and change things around. So let's circle back to Puerto Rico because this is um, <laughs> very interesting. Uh, tell us, first of all, uh, tell us how did you get to Puerto Rico? Because that's kind of an interesting story. And how did the the idea for the book come about?
4: Yeah, so it's actually, it's so uh, coincidental because it was, supposed, it was supposed to be Adam and his his girlfriend, Shauna, that were going to Puerto Rico. Okay. And then um, Shauna changed jobs then started June. And whatever it was with the new job, there was like a training process she had to go through and they couldn't give her the time off. So then the whole day was just going to go to waste. And being the go twin brother I am, I didn't want to see Adam just <laughs> out on the whole day. It's like, you know what? I'll take two weeks off work and go to Puerto Rico. No problem. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was just coincidental that that even happened. And then over there, I mean, me and Adam tend to have, like, quite philosophical discussions regardless. Yeah. And then if you throw a few cheap San Miguel's in the mix, <laughs> it can go a bit deeper. So uh, we were just sitting down, like, we both love reading. Uh, I studied English in college, so writing was always something that I got a lot of value from. And uh, yeah. I always had the idea of writing a book. I just never knew what I'd write it about. Um, but yeah, we had that conversation more just about like life and how we got to this point and what worked well for us and what didn't work well. And if we were talking to the younger versions of ourselves, what sort of lessons or guidance could we give them? And that was sort of the base idea for the book. We came back. I wrote a first draft that Adam thought was terrible, but he had more of the work ethic. So I was like, you know what? Let's let's work together on this and figure it out. Um, And then, yeah, we, we took it from there. We had the framework of the five roles. And then it was just kind of telling the story of why those roles matter. And then all the boring stuff of trying to get it published and all
2: that. Well, this is the thing. And uh, that's that's another aspect. That's that's another hurdle to overcome. But would you agree, guys, that a lot of us are settling in life uh, for a life that's just kind of meh, you know, Uh, and we're always kind of um, maybe looking outside of ourselves to go, oh, I want that life. I want that life. But in reality, we actually don't want that life either. So there's kind of a bit of this going on, isn't there?
0: yeah 100% we'd agree with that it was kind of that was one of the main drivers for wanting to write the book because throughout growing up me and Lee have always almost gone through school and then looking at what we want to do next through the lens of trying to consciously not just fall into the path of what everyone else is doing mm. or what's gone before us or what's going on around us and not from a perspective of thinking that we're better than other people or anything like that more from a lens of realization that look we only get one shot at life you know and i don't want to be the person who at 60 70 80 years old is looking back in a moment the reflection thinking jesus Where did that all go? You know that way? So we were very conscious of that going through things. And we wanted, and that's why the fourth rule of the book is have a vision, because we wanted to give people that reminder to be proactive in where you're going in life, not just to blindly go to the next thing and the next thing and kind of live in this reactive mindset that I think a lot of people are in nowadays, just to find yourself 5, 10, 20 years down the line, stopping and thinking, okay, wait, I'm somewhere now where I don't necessarily want to be, but I'm so far down the path, I don't think there's a way back or a way out.
2: Oh, that's so common. And, you know, this is the stumbling block that I hit uh, before I even realised it was the first <laughs> rule. Uh, so talk to me about this step, because um, this really stopped me in my tracks. And the idea is get clear about what the best version of yourself looks like. So explain this for me. And you have 10 questions, don't you, That that will help trigger it for people
0: yeah so this concept i suppose it was very interesting because i don't think it's a question that gets asked enough and i mean this from early days like even throughout school and growing up is i don't remember really maybe one or two teachers who just took it upon themselves to have these conversations but more from like a systematic point of view of helping people just to say look as it stands right now your life is a blank canvas yeah you can choose what direction you go now of course there's going to be external influences that are playing a role i'm not saying everyone starts at the exact same point but everyone has the opportunity now to paint a picture of life that they want for themselves and put the next steps in place to go and pursue that and we talk about it from an angle of like rights and responsibilities so everyone has a right to dream you have a right to go and make something a life that is beyond your wildest dreams that's different to what anyone else around you has done or what anyone else who's gone before you has done but you also have the responsibility to go and take ownership of that and put the action in place go through the ups and downs, the inevitable lumps and bumps on the process to getting there. So that's why having that vision was the first thing that came to mind. Because without that, you're kind of just... Trying to dart that dartboard with a blindfold on and hoping you'll hit the bullseye, but not even really knowing what that bullseye is or if you'll be happy once you get there. So it's taking that moment to step back and paint that picture for yourself. And the ten questions we put together are more just little prompts for people to start thinking, because it's really tough if you ask anyone like, "What's the ideal version of life for you ten years from now?" Most people probably just won't even give themselves the right to dream. You know, it's like, "Oh, who would I be to achieve these things or have these?" ideas or you know these notions sort of thing so it's these prompts to give people that permission almost to say what is the ideal version of you what would the best version of life for you look like but we wanted to do it from two lenses because that question can sometimes cause people to just think about all the good things like i want all the money and all the fame and fortune, which is cool of course everyone wants that but no matter where you go in life there's going to be moments of pain, of suffering, of challenge, because that's just part and parcel of being a human, right? So a couple of the questions are based around how does the best version of you deal with stress? Mm. How does the best person of you react to challenges and tough situations? Because the best version of you isn't just this idyllic figure who has everything figured out and, you know, has 10 out of 10 days every single day. We're all going to face challenges and difficulties. And it's known how does the best version of you show up in those moments that can often be the kind of turning point or catalyst that puts you in a new direction because even for lee going through his weight loss transformation the starting point for him was in a real moment of i don't know where i'm going in life like yeah. i don't know what the next step is i'm in a job That I hate. I've done a college course that I thought would fulfill me that didn't. I'm at the end of a relationship. And his next step from that point was you know what? Let me just take control of one thing I can't control, which is my weight, my exercise, my nutrition.
2: That's the key. That is the key because people can get overwhelmed by this, you know? And when you asked that question, I was like, I just got a fear like straight away I don't know what I'm doing but as you say what can I actually take control of and take ownership of and is it maybe that we bite off more than we can chew at the start should we be kind of setting smaller little bite size goals as we go
4: yeah that's a great question I mean it is important to have the big vision yeah um, but it's also important to understand that the only way to get to the big vision is by the 200 different things it takes to get there you know like If you want to get to Cork, that's great, but you have to go through a lot of counties before you get there. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, it takes a while. So um, yeah, having the big vision, is that's like the thing that you're aiming for, but it's also important, and then I think we'll talk about Real 5 later on, the process is really where the work gets done. Yeah. And it's as important as it is to have that big vision you also need to know all the steps involved in getting there and just tackle them one at a time.
2: That's absolutely it. So when we have rule number one sort of in place about what we want to do number two it's going to be no surprise to people we're going to be talking about the C word commitment lads commitment.
4: (laughs) Yeah the the commitment as we also say in the book it's like because commitment is one of those things it's like it sounds great and easy when you're in a good mood, and then as soon as you're tired and hungry, it's not so easy yeah. anymore. And we, <laughs> we say in the book, it's like when it comes to anything like fitness transformation or starting your own business or whatever it might be, it's like you're either committed or you're not. Like it's pretty black and white. It's mm. like in a relationship, like you can't say to your missus, "I'm committed to you Monday to Friday, but the weekends <laughs> are a bit." You know, anything <laughs> uh, goes. Yeah, I've never seen anyone. And if you know anyone who's interested in that, so maybe I'll, I'll text them and figure it out. But, uh, <laughs> I know, money, up. But yeah, like commitment, it's like such a Such a crucial part of achieving Mm. anything in life. And it's also like the most difficult one because everybody loses motivation and discipline from time to time.
2: Oh, totally. So what tools do you have in your kit bag then to to keep motivated? So like when you're facing something that you're like, oh, I don't want to do this today. What do you do to keep that fire burning and to keep yourself committed?
0: That's a solid question. But I want to start even before we hit that point of getting to feeling unmotivated. Mm. I think where a lot of people tend to miss a step is the expectation they go into it with from day one and that's Mm -hmm. why we wanted to make sure we got across in the five rules the understanding and acceptance that it's a process and there's going to be ups and downs throughout that process because often and this comes from my experience initially with clients as a personal trainer but now more i do with different businesses or consultancy is that expectations can really set the frame for what happens next and a lot of people go into things with the expectation almost even though it sounds like irrational or illogical that it's going to be easier, that you know motivation will sustain you or get you to the finish line, or that there won't be as many challenges or struggles along the way. And that's what can often mean that the first time we hit that real moment of difficulty or strain or where something pushes us outside our comfort zone, our immediate response is just to go back to what we've always done. And that's to stop or to quit or to give up. So it's having that expectation from the start that actually, you know what, I'm committing to this process. With the full understanding that there's gonna be days where I am not motivated, yeah. where the last thing I wanna do is go into the gym, where Netflix release a banging new show and I just wanna sit down and watch <laughs> that all day. Like all these things are gonna be there. So that's the first place I'd start is with the expectation. And then when those in- inevitable moments come along where you are feeling like, ah, you know what, this is tough. I don't know if I can do it. One of my favorite things to do at that stage is to go back to the vision, those 10 questions, oh, yeah? and reconnect with that. So use that as like an ongoing working document, like an ongoing thing. It's not this best version of you as something you write out once and then you just leave it there and put it in a in a press somewhere and maybe come across it when you're cleaning the house 10 years later. It's like this is something you pull out and refer back to. Because if you can connect with the deeper reasons behind why you're going to achieve a goal, not just the external achievements of a number on the scales or a number in the bank account or anything like that, but it's the person you become throughout the process and how that translates to the impact you want to have on life and on the world overall. When you can stay connected with that, it will make all the other let's say excuses or reasons that might hold you back nearly obsolete because you're being driven from a place of true desire and truly wants to make an impact rather than just trying to achieve something for maybe a- an external reason if that makes sense
2: Oh it totally does and there's so much that I could go into with you guys but I'm looking at the time here and I want to I want to delve into <laughs> this one because the, the, whilst all the rules are really really powerful the fifth one resonated with me the most and I am really obsessed with when I'm this or when I get to that or when I have this I'll be happy I'm too focused on future Sinead and I'm not enjoying the present and this is one of your rules as well
0: yeah well what's wrong with, with present
2: Sinead she, she sounds, sounds all right, right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know lads I'm just giving, I'm giving my best foot forward here you know <laughs> fair play, fair play. no I mean look
4: I'm this is Lee speaking by the way I don't want to put words in Adam's mouth but in mean, it pretty much identical to you like even though I wrote well co-wrote the book I still struggle to focus on the process sometimes and get lost in outcomes like I was going up Glen lock there co- probably a few months ago now and uh, the only thing I could think about was getting to the top <laughs> yeah And you know what you realize when you're kind of halfway up and you turn back back and look around the view is just as nice halfway up as well yeah. you know like you miss out on a lot when you don't stop and just take note of where you're at on the journey and the same from, for climbing lock as it is for life there's a lot of moments of struggle of course on the way there but there's also a lot of moments of joy and happiness and if all you're thinking about is "Oh, can't wait to get there can't wait to finish can't wait to have this that or the other you're missing out on all those moments
2: oh you really are you really are i'm getting so many messages here uh, asking people where can they get this book which is great it's (laughs) obviously resonating uh, with a lot of people so how can people get their hands on the book guys
4: yeah, so if you're based in Ireland, the best place to get the book would be through us directly. You can find us on Instagram at the Malloy Twins, and there's a link in our bio where you can find the book. Outside of Ireland, uh, Amazon would be the best place to get
2: Fantastic. Well, look, I wish you every success with it, guys. You definitely have made something here that I think people can really latch onto in a in a simple, effective way. It's not too long, as I say. There's not all this kind of self help jargon and 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 stuff that goes on in in, in other books that we find. And uh, I I really have to say, it's just been it's very very eye opening for me personally. And I will be putting a lot of this into practice. It's going to take me a while. It's going to take me a while, <laughs> but I'm going to do. It. Uh, but listen, thank you both so so much for joining me today. No, thank Pleasure you, Shalation. Thank man. you. Thank you so much, Adam and Lee Malloy. Aren't they great? Like, I'm going to listen back to this interview when I have a bad day and just be like, yes, I can do it. I can. Uh, the book, as we say, it is called Better Than Before Five Rules for Personal Greatness. And you'll get it on Amazon if you're outside the country and also at the Malloy Twins on Instagram. Oh,
1: the 11 to 1 show. Oh,
2: LMFM David Gray, this year's love and LMFM's 11 to 1. Have music from Anne-Marie on the way for you very shortly. But first, it's time for this. LMFM Job Search with Local Heroes. Backed by Gáis Energy. Replace your old inefficient gas boiler with Local Heroes. Visit localheroes.ie. DK Motors requires both qualified mechanics and apprentice mechanics to join their team at Kilberry Cross in Navin, County Meath. Please send your CV to Derek at dkmotors.ie. Amstrow Corporate Services Limited require an assistant company secretary for the Drahada office. Prior experience in a co-sec or legal secretarial function is needed. Please email your CV to Ursula, ursula.smith at amstrow.com. And assistant farm manager required for immediate start on a dairy farm in Kenstown County Meath. You must have experience in dairy farming. Position includes free accommodation on the farm and a competitive salary. To apply, contact 085 224. Don't forget the details of those jobs can be found on our local job section on LMFM.ie LMFM
1: Job Search with Local Heroes backed by Bordgosh Energy for gas boilers, heat pumps and electric vehicle charge point installation visit localheroes.ie
2: Anne-Marie and Shania Twain together unhealthy on LMFM's 11 to 1 we have a finalist on the way for our Fall to Ireland competition. That's coming up right after these.
1: Oh, the 11 to 1 show.
2: L-M-F-M. We are vacationing all this week with thanks to Fall to Ireland. Yes, we want you to experience the feeling of a holiday all in one day. And we have 150 fifty euro one for All voucher up for grabs at the end of the week. And today, the favourite vacation this summer is coming in from Sinead Cowley she's drawn a road RD she says uh, husband myself and two sons aged 14 and 8 we got the ferry from Carlingford to Green Castle, then driving to Warren Point just strolled around had a lovely meal in Diamonds restaurants strolled around uh, once more got some ice cream then went back to Greencastle and got the ferry back and headed back to RD absolutely fantastic daycation. thank you so much for sending that in you are going into the draw for that prize on Friday Benny King, stand by me, finishing out the show for today. Coming up tomorrow, it's Customer Appreciation Day in uh, Bus Airing and we're going to be at Dundalk Bus Depot on tomorrow's show. That is my lot on the show for today. Thank you to all the guests and to you for your company. I'll chat to you again tomorrow. Ah! Listen back to the 11 to 1 show podcast on lmfm.ie or the LMFM app with Gilmore's Mercedes Benz Kings Court. Choose from our huge selection of used Mercedes Benz vehicles. Gilmore's Mercedes Benz Kings Court, the best in motoring, here for you. Hey.